0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. The Book of Psalms is a book of poetry, prayers, and songs that people wrote to God, prayed to God, and even used to lead others in the worship of God. The Psalms give us insight into what a relationship with God looks like and examples of how we can pour out our joys, fears, and our heart's desires to God. Join us weekly as we spend the summer in Psalms watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Good morning everybody. We want to welcome you here to our Granby campus as well as to our online campus. We're glad that you're here. Now today we're concluding this series called Summer in the Psalms and we're going to look at Psalm 139, but look, I want to encourage you to keep reading the Psalms. If you've been doing it this summer, continue. There's 150 of them. I would just encourage you to continue to read through them and ask God to speak to you as you read through them. Author and speaker Jennifer Rothschild was diagnosed at 15 with a rare degenerative eye disease that eventually stole her eyesight from her. And she uh, has an author who has written many studies, particularly for women. and, And in a study called Fingerprints of God, she shares this story. It was a very crowded bus, and all the passengers looked sympathetically as Susan made her way down the aisle. She fumbled with her cane, and as she nestled herself into her seat, the onlookers watched with questions and with concerns. You see, it had been a year since Susan had lost her sight. When she first became blind, she fell into a deep pit of depression. Her world had crumbled. Sadness overtook her. Not only was her heart crushed, but also... The heart of her husband, Mark. He so loved his wife and wanted to help her, and so he did. Inch by inch, he helped pull her out of that pit of depression, helped give her skills and confidence to regain her sense of self and independence, and that husband so in love with his wife did all that he could to help her in this new state of darkness. After months of Susan's blindness, she began to feel more confident, confident, and because of Mark's help, she felt like perhaps she could begin to return to her job again, because she could still do it. Mark promised that he would help her, uh, of course, as always. So every day, Mark would drive his wife to work. He would walk her into the office. He would make sure she was settled, and then he would leave her, and he would go to the base that was across town, because Mark was a military officer. Then he would come back and get her from work. Now, this went on for several weeks. And with every day, though, Mark so wanted to help his wife, the burden was becoming heavier because it was becoming logistically impossible for him to make it to the base on time and drive her to work and get her into her office. He dreaded having to tell Susan that he wasn't going to be able to drive her to work. But in the end, he had to. I can't ride the bus to work, she replied. I'm blind. How am I going to know how many stairs there are? How am I going to know the path to take? I feel like you're abandoning me. Mark's heart was crushed. He promised her, like he had done from the very beginning, that he would do whatever it takes to help her until she felt confident and independent on the bus. He helped her with the routes. He helped her learn the stairs and learn the paths. And so finally, after several weeks of doing such, Susan was confident. He went to his base. She went to her work. Monday morning, she got on the bus. She went to work. She came home. It was flawless. Then Friday morning arrived, and Susan made her way onto the bus, and as she went to pay her fare, the bus driver said, ma'am, you sure are lucky. Susan said, are you talking to me? The bus driver said, yes. Yeah, it must feel good to be so cared for as you are. She said, I I don't know what you mean, sir. Uh, The bus driver said, well, you know, every morning when I drop you off at your stop, as soon as those doors open, I can see that man standing over there at the corner as he watches you. As soon as you step off the bus, his eyes are on you. I think he's some kind of military officer because of his uniform and his eyes follow you as you walk across that parking lot. And his eyes don't leave you as you're trying to walk up those stairs. And when your hand touches that doorknob, his eyes are on you until you open that door and go inside. That man doesn't take his eyes off you. And once that door closes, he stands straight and tall like a sentinel and he salutes you and he blows you a kiss. Susan burst into tears. She had no idea that her husband had been watching her all this time. But the lover of Susan's soul never takes his eyes off of her. Susan's husband knew how she was doing with this new and scary change in her life because he was there. He was watching her. He was loving her. He was caring for her. And that's what God does for us. God is watching us. He is loving us. He is caring for us. We're going to look at Psalm 139 today. And David was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this Psalm. And and as he writes it, he's sharing from his own personal experience with God. And he's sharing with us about what God has done for us. And this is all inspired and divinely written for us. Now one scholar writes about this psalm, what we think about God and our relationship with him determines what we think about everything else that makes up our busy world. Other people, the universe, God's word, God's will, sin, faith, and obedience. Wrong ideas about God will ultimately lead us to wrong ideas about who we are and what we should do, and this leads to a wrong life on the wrong path toward the wrong destiny. In other words, the right knowledge of God is essential to a fulfilled life in this world, and David contemplated God, and he wrote for us a psalm whose message can only encourage us to be in a right relationship with him. So, Let's look at this psalm. We're going to take it a section at a time. So we'll begin with the first six verses. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So what does this mean? It means that we cannot deceive God. Let's think about that. Now David says, To God. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Now, the the verb search means to examine with pain and care. The Jewish people use this word to describe digging deep into a mine or exploring land or investigating a legal case. In other words, going deep. So, what's this telling us? It's telling us that while people around us see us on the surface, see us on the outside, they observe what we do, God is going deep. He sees what's going on inside our lives, in our minds, and in our hearts. He knows our thoughts. In other words, you and I cannot deceive God. Think this through. Think, think, Think through what you know about Scripture. Adam and Eve, the first humans, they disobeyed God when they didn't think God was looking. And when God came to see them, he knew that they had sinned and disobeyed them. Disobeyed him; they couldn't deceive God. Now that's in the first chapter of Genesis. If you go a little bit further into the book of Genesis, you hear, you read the story of Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother. He didn't think anybody knew, but God knew. He couldn't, he couldn't deceive God. David, the author of the Psalm, David. Committed adultery. He tried to cover it up by killing Bathsheba's husband and then then becoming the husband and, and the father of their child. He, he thought he had covered it up. But he hadn't. God knew. You can't deceive God. Jesus spoke to a woman at the well. And as he was talking to her, he he made it clear that he knew that she had been married five times and the man that she was living with right now wasn't her husband. You can't deceive God. God knows. In the fifth chapter of the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira sell some property. And with the pretense of making it look like that they gave all the proceeds to this new fledgling church, they said, here it is. But they held some back. And the apostles knew because the Holy Spirit made it clear to them. You see, Ananias and Sapphira tried to deceive God, but you can't deceive God. You and I can't. Now, going back to the second verse of Psalm 139, David writes this. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Now, the word perceive here carries with it the, the meaning of distinguishing and discerning with insight. You see, God just doesn't. Observe us. God has insight into what we're doing and why we're doing it. That's the divinity of God. When David writes, You discern my going out and my lying down, the word we translate as discern in the Hebrew actually can mean winnow. You know, like when uh, someone who's harvesting grain uh, winnows the the grains of wheat from the chaff that's around them, it's a way to separate those two. In God's supernatural power, God can winnow out our reasons from going here or going there or for doing whatever we do. God examines our thoughts and our hearts and he knows our motivations. He knows us we can't deceive God going on to the next verses David writes this where can I go from your spirit where can I flee from your presence if I go up into the heavens you were there if I make my bed in the depths you were there if I rise on the wings of the dawn if I settle on the far side of the sea even there your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So what does this mean for us? It means we can never escape from God when David says, where can I flee from your presence? If I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. It sounds like David's trying to run away from God, doesn't it? Now, in Scripture, we've seen that. I mean, Jonah ran away from God after God commanded him to go to Nineveh and and bring God's love to them. Uh, When you read through the entirety of Scripture, you really see that uh, there is this idea that Israel, the, the chosen people, are running away from God. Uh, you know, God's drawing near to them, but they're running away. And, and it's this tug of war going back and forth. And And isn't that really uh, how God and how we act with God in, in the human race? Running away from God, but also wanting God? It's that whole idea that he... Is following us that that we can never never escape from god now look in his writing david has all the up all the options covered he talks about up he talks about down he talks about here he talks about there he talks about in the light and in the dark you can't get away from god's presence you know in, in some ways it reminds me of what the apostle paul wrote in the eighth chapter of the book of romans remember these words He said, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God and his love. We cannot escape from God and his love. We can't run far enough away because God will be there. And this is important because I think we all would agree, we know we need God. And it, it is so strange because we know we need God, but we, we run away from God. We need the presence of God to be with us, to guide us, and yet we, we stray. Sometimes that running is just doing what we want to do, doing it our way. Sometimes uh, that running is just trying to do whatever we can to get away from God. But the message of Psalm 139 is we can never escape God, never. Moving on, David writes these words about creation. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in the book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you through the miraculous creation of each of us, God is telling us that we can't really ignore God, okay? Just, just when we recognize that who we are as, as physical human beings. David recognizes that God created us and, and he's saying that, that God was present at both our conception and at our birth as we were being knit together in our mother's wombs. Pastor Warren Wearsby points this out. He says, we were created we were made When we were created, we were made in the image of God, and God has a special purpose for each person who is born. We live in and with our bodies all of our lives, and we know how amazing they are. God formed us as he wants us to be, and we must accept that, uh, that his will to make us as we are, no matter how we feel about our genetics or our looks or our abilities, just Think about this for a moment. Just one little sliver of of the miraculousness of our bodies. Just think about for a moment the the fact that we have a vast blood system that's made up of arteries and veins and capillaries. And together, they are more than 60,000 miles long. That's mind-boggling to me, that there's more than 60,000 miles of blood veins in my body and each of our bodies now for some of you know that that's more than uh, two times around the circumference of the earth and going back to the psalm just to make sure we know our creators in charge david points out something that other scriptures also testify that the days of our lives are set forth they're numbered by god but but i think it's more than just the sheer number of the days that we'll live on this earth It also indicates that that God has not just ordained the length of our lives, but he's ordained the purpose of our lives, if we will follow it. Now, this fits succinctly with what the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians. He said, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, that we have a divine purpose. God has a purpose and a plan for each of us on this earth. Now, if talking about the limit of our earthly life makes us uncomfortable, let me remind us all, as as followers of Jesus, this isn't the end-all to be-all, this life on earth. We're going to spend eternity with God. All of us will die, but we're going to spend eternity with God, and, and that's going to be something that our minds can't really fathom. So, you know, not being morbid or fatalistic, we all need to remember that our earthly life isn't our reason for being, but it testifies to us that God has done something amazing in each of our lives. In this section, David is telling us that we can't ignore God when we recognize what he has done in the miracles of creation of each and every person and the rest of the world. Now, David, in Psalm 139, uh, and it might feel like a different way, but, but let's read these passages. Starting in verse 19. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, as it feels like the direction has changed a bit, what's David's point? Well, his point is this, is that, is that you can't dispute God. Think this through. If we can't deceive God, if we can't escape God, if we can't ignore God, then it's, it's sensible that we then obey God and for those who prefer to oppose God and dispute what he says about his word we have to recognize what David's pointing out here that there are those who in reality are against God and they don't care how they live they don't care what they do they don't care what they say and and in this passage David calls them wicked Bloodthirsty, He calls them adversaries and enemies of God. He describes them as rebellious people having evil intent and, and misusing God's name. And, and in his allegiance to and his alignment with God, David says that he has hatred for them. Now, that, that sounds harsh, but it's directed at those people who are openly against God because David has aligned himself with God. It, it's not hatred with evil intent but it's hatred because he knows that they oppose God. He recognizes that their opposition is sin against God and that it's a sinful way of living. But then as he closes out that section, you see that his emotions take a rather personal turn and he begins to reflect on himself. And what he says there as he brings that to is he says, he returns to that opening thought. And he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He doesn't want to be one of those people that he has hatred for. David is, is modeling for us a, a humbleness and a spiritual maturity because he's, he's asking God To examine him and and help him see if there is unrealized or unconfessed sin in his life. In the beginning of this psalm, we talked about that this psalm will help us determine your relationship with God. So let me ask some questions just for you to reflect on. Are you trying to deceive God about who you really are? You can't. So what do you need to do? You need to get honest with yourself and be honest with God and and confess any errors that you put on, any falsehood in your living, any sin that you're actively engaged in. But but in doing those things, you're also committing to change those behaviors to live a God-honoring life. Maybe you're trying to escape from God, are you? maybe you think God feels like some cosmic cop who you who has caught you red-handed and you don't want any part of that and you can run but you can't hide you can do whatever you think of to get away from God but the reality is you can never get away from God because he'll always be there and, and he's not a cosmic cop he's a loving father who wants to Tell you to stop running and to, to come to him and come to Jesus just as you are and believe in him. And when you do that, he wants you to follow Jesus so that you'll discover that God doesn't want you to do a bunch of things. He has something for you. A relationship with him. And once you're in that relationship, the last thing you're going to want to do is run from God. Maybe you're trying to ignore God and just forget about him. Unfortunately, that's pretty hard to do because you and I are evidence of his reality and this world that we live in is evidence of his reality. Recognizing that we're God's workmanship means that we understand the creative nature of God and that God created us with a purpose. And when you do that, when you recognize that, you'll want to be connected to the one who created you. Maybe, just maybe, you just want to dispute everything about God. I, I could let you be God's enemy, and I could say, well, I got nothing for you, but that wouldn't be true. God is in the business of sacrificing for his enemies so that they can know him. Even if you don't believe in God, I encourage you to do this. Just say this, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. Now, you're thinking, well, are you asking me to pray? Well, it is a prayer, but since if you're saying that because you don't believe in him, you're just speaking to the void. So just pray, say, God, if you're real, speak to me. And when you get an answer, let me know so I can celebrate with you. You know, the reality is, is that God wants to be connected with us. And Psalm 139 shows us just how much God wants to be connected with us. He reminds us that he loves us and that he cares for us, that he knows us intimately, that we can never get away from him, that we can't ignore him, that he loves us so much that he wants to be in a relationship with us. So this morning, we're going to move into a time of prayer. And in this time of prayer, I want to give you the opportunity to do a couple things. If you need to repent, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And that repentance also will be in preparation for us celebrating the Lord's Supper. But I'm also going to give you an opportunity to to make a recommitment to God, to following Jesus, or making a new commitment to following Christ. So I'm going to start off with that prayer of a commitment to Christ. And then I'm going to move into a time where I'll even let there be some silent prayer where you can spend some time confessing your sins. And then we'll move into the celebration of the Lord's Supper. So, if you would, bow your heads. God, as we've come here today, we have heard from your word how much you love us, how you're always there, that we can't escape from you, that we can't ignore you, that we are eternally loved by you. We cannot deceive you. So, Lord, as we gather here, I recognize that there may be someone who has wandered from you and needs to make a recommitment to you or someone who has never actually told you they believe in you and want to follow you. So if that's you, I want to encourage you to to pray silently to God. And I'm just going to give you some words that you can put in your own words. And here's, here's the first sentence. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins and he rose again from the dead. repent of my sins, and I desire to follow him for the rest of my life. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.